2: i stepped already. I'm only fucking Go. ten minutes in the ground, for Hang fuck's on. sake. Hey! I'm, I'm two minutes fast. in the ground, you ask me to step back in. Yeah. Don't yeah. annoy me. Hey. Don't fucking hey. annoy me.
3: Where is it?
2: Where is it? Where is it? Like, oh, look, that is it. No, Don't start me place off place now.
3: Don't, Roddy.
2: Don't start me off. Don't start either. Yeah, you started it. I'll tell your mother on you.
4: Welcome to Free State, everybody. Joe is here beside me. We're in our new, fantastic mobile studio. Joe is uh, driving the show, taking care of the sound, and he has brought in for for this special event one of the great men of of, of Irish football, uh, a man who the last time I told him met him t- told me that he he told people to fuck off for a living. Uh, and it's Roddy Collins.
2: I touch you. Yeah, and you can fuck off too. <laughs> <laughs> I touch you. Oh, I am say. not one of the greats in Irish football. You've just built up the listeners to go, wow, it must be, you know, lean braggers. I'm one of the
4: great men. I'm one of the great players. <laughs> oh, thank you. He, he, thank he, you. He could have been. He could have been.
5: He could have been somebody. If he, if, he, if he had been able to resist giving Don Howe soccer advice in, in Roddy's book <laughs> after Arsenal had scouted him. Uh, Roddy first demonstrated that legendary self-destructive honesty that uh, became his hallmark. And Don Howe, as you know, at that stage was sort of footballing royalty. And Roddy, I think you'd been scouted from the Stella Maris Club in Dublin.
2: <laughs> the elite?
5: Roddy wrote in his book. "Don, Don didn't appreciate it when I started questioning some of his ideas. Turns out that having been assistant manager when Arsenal won the double in 1971, I had little or no interest in how Jimmy Brannigan (laughs) had done things at Stella Maris.
2: (laughs) But but I would still have the argument with him. I didn't see the point in wasting a pass. Right? Ball comes to me. I don't have to give it back to you, Dion. I can knock it straight to Jojo Cross in the back of the net. And this was my argument. But look, I don't think I had any chance of winning that one. So I think it was about a week later I was on a flight home. <laughs> Roddy's, Roddy's
5: barnstorming book, The Rodfather. What would you expect? And he's, it's now out on, and he's not here to promote the book, he didn't ask me to mention it. But it starts with one of the great opening paragraphs. I was watching football and television not so long ago, when the supporters of Drogheda United, one of the teams involved, launched into a spontaneous chorus. Roddy Collins is a wanker, is a wanker. I could tell you this. It's a very strange feeling to be sitting at home with your wife, sipping a glass of wine at the end of the week and to suddenly hear a crowd of people calling you a wanker on the telly. Welcome to my life. That's it.
2: And, and, and Joe, you're laughing and you think it's great. But the weekend before I went on the missing list, I went on the lash for two days. So by Wednesday, I'd done that much groveling. I was only back in the big bed by Wednesday. Right? So Thursday was a sort of a... Uh, you know, uh, 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 getting together, day like getting to know each other again, day. Freud, you had all planned out. Takeaway, glass of wine, can i just watch a bit of the match, the first half, till you're ready, and then it comes on. It's towards They're right, you're gonna fucking win. So I'm putting all the good work i have done yeah. all the week. But there you go. Maybe I am, Joe. I don't know that. Yeah. And
5: and you know, if I'm if I'm not mistaken you'd never managed Toronto United or even played for them? I did play for them. Oh, you played for them? Yeah,
2: I did. <clears throat> Personally, I played for them So you you left 20, uh, maybe twenty years previous to them. But I, I don't know that was singing, I didn't remember me for that. And I was out of the league about two years but when they were singing it. So it just became something <laughs> to sing. You know the way supporters <laughs> would sing I don't know why to a player, give us a wave. Like, yeah, like yeah. you know, Joey, Joey, give us a wave. They could have had give a us a fucking tenor team. or I mean, something, I mean, you know, give us a point. Neither
5: neither a way did it, of did you ever
4: think, you know, when they were calling you a wanker, you know, <laughs> you're getting this wherever you went, that uh, maybe I should try and change my image or anything? You ever, no. You ever go to image I consultants?
2: Loved I loved it. Being being liked by people is a massive burden because you have to be nice back, right? But when most people think you're a fucking Yahoo from Dublin or a the wanker, you go, oh yeah, I'm now, fuck off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leave me alone. Nah, come here. Look, I, I, I only said this the other day. My sport and sport is it's a pantomime. It's a stage act. And the referees, the supporters, the groundsmen, the commentators, the reporters, ever, and the players and the manager. We're all part of the pantomime. And I was the pantomime villain and I loved it. Yeah. And I wouldn't change anything if I got it's, a job tomorrow. It's
5: just a pity that they didn't have a better chant. I mean when Georgie Best was in his heyday with Manchester United, they used to sing
2: Georgie Best. Superstar walks like a woman anywhere. Where's a bra? Right. You, you yeah. deserve
5: something better. Right?
2: Yeah, uh, nah, well, I wouldn't wear a bra. I'd rather be called <laughs> a wanker. But anyway, no, he was. He was brilliant. But look, supporters, you know, they sing. They don't know what they're singing half the time. And fair play, they're probably half locked as well. But look, it didn't offend me. And what?
4: And what did when you talk about not being like? did you when you walk around the, the streets of Dublin? Because when you got here today, you were talking about how. Uh, found it kind of funny that Joe was giving you directions on how to get to... How
2: probably up from Derry County, Derry, right? Telling the real dope, the main get, man, right? Man. How <laughs> to get to Dean. Listen, the, my them pal, the pal ran the again. door here downstairs, right? We were in here when it was... Um, Everly Garden was the nightclub downstairs. We were here when the swings were upstairs. <laughs> And there's politicians swinging up and down having a ball. Some of them didn't end too well, but there you go. <laughs> but uh, no, listen, since the book came out, oh, Jesus, lads, I can't walk down the street. I am the best bloke. The Rodfather, the, the go, it was called the go, it was founded by that, and then it was the greatest of all time. There's a population, a cohort of youngfulness, I'd say between, um, I don't know, maybe between 25, maybe between 25 and 35 Right, and I swear to God, I can't walk down the street. Photographs, autographs. I was since instant. the book came out. Yeah, it's told my story because, like, realistically, we having the crack here, and you know, Roddy's a wanker and blah 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 blah. But, but people, I, I'm I'm very private. bastic out there. I don't socialize only with my wife. I don't go out with gangs, You know, since uh, Caroline told me she'd leave me if I went missing again. <laughs> no, I don't do that. So people's opinion of me was Chinese Whispers. I remember and that,
5: the night, <clears> that uh, the night that the two of us did the, the, Star. the Tribute Act up at St Vincent's for Brian Mullins. That's right. Um, I remember how edgy you were to get home as soon as possible because your, wa- your wife wasn't able to come.
2: Yeah, that's right. at the table with us. Well, she's come back off an injury. But the thing about it is, Joe, like, if if you said to me, I'll be down and have a point with you in three days, I'll prepare and wait for that. And I'm still waiting for Joe to arrive down on Echol Island. Got a phone call. I was down in Duggart. Got a, if I don't know pronounced that right. Carlin said he's down trying the local team. Tell him I'm coming down for a point. I think you were in uh, Belmullet, were you? Somewhere around. Oh, that's your attention. Right. Yeah, I said, yes, Caroline, right. prepare for this one. Setting, setting out all your cones. Uh, I knew you loved cones. Ah, yeah, setting out my cones. No, but I, I said, and Carlin said, Joe's coming down for a point in a couple of days. So I said, right, Caroline put one day away because if I go with Joe, he's coming home under my arm. There's no <laughs> way I can see it <laughs> to a dirty man coming down to me, Show me how to drink pints of Guinness. Oh, I was rarer on Guinness. Your well, father worked really? for Guinness. My it? father worked in Guinness. Mm-hmm. And so the, he, he brought Guinness home, <clears> today <throat> Every day. Every day? Every day. He got two bottles every day and the weekend, he'd keep them up and then there'd be a hoolie in the house. But midweek, when we were young, we got milk stout. A glass of milk or a drop of stout. And then we got stout milk. And we we're about 14. I said, Man, fuck that milk out. We just drank the stout. When you were and, what age? <laughs> about 14. And <laughs> I said, What's this all about? And they said, It puts iron in your body. And I said, Man, I must have a head like a cannonball at the stage. <laughs> all the Guinness we drink. Yeah, I was a Guinness. My dad was a Guinness worker, you know?
5: Yeah, but you, pro- you, you probably did because you're Stevie, for any of the younger listeners who don't know, was the. Was the super middleweight champion of the world and beat some of the most fearsome fighters, you know, who had ever been at that at that weight. I mean, he beat the Dark Destroyer, Nigel Bain. He beat Eubank. But I want to go back to twice, twice yeah. yeah. And I mean, just, as, just I recall, measure, yeah. as I recall, Eubank had been unbeaten not, until then and was one of the most feared fighters in the world because there was a certain, I mean, he almost killed Michael Watson when Michael Watson had swarmed him and was all over him with his boxing technique. And, I mean, when he had... Actually, I think he knocked him down in the 11th round. Ben, or Eubank, got up somehow, hit him, and, you know, really left him brain damaged for the rest yeah. of his life in yeah. a very poorly condition. So he was a very feared fighter.
2: feared toughest man Stephen ever fought, and he'll admit that himself. Mm. Chin like granite. Tough, resilient, you know, dogged. Just, just a, you know, really tough man. Did your so, dad
5: like the fighting?
2: Ah, I loved it. Ah, my dad. Well, well, look, my uncle, my mother's brother was Jack O'Rourke. He was heavyweight champion of Ireland uh, for about four years. He fought for Ireland many times. And then my uncle Terry was the middleweight champion, um, uh, 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 East Midlands middleweight champion. He beat Reggie Cray in the Town Bats. He did, in no. <laughs> Did he? He did. He beat Reggie Cray in the Town Bats. In London, Reggie fought out of Man of Town, bats might Her uncle Terry, and also he banjoed Martin Call around the corner here at the Bleeding Horse. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> <laughs> he banjoed Martin Call. Martin was like a fighting man. Martin probably him before he would fight him. Martin, the, Martin him. the gangster. Yeah, Martin. Yeah, 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 the, the general. Yeah, yeah. Terry banjoed him out Tell of me the about. Horse. Tell me
5: about him. But tell him. Tell me about Terry Banjo and him. Terry,
2: Terry was.
5: For younger, for younger listeners, that doesn't mean he hit him with the banjo.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. He was, he was there was someone at the with Terry's car. And Terry was the bouncer on the Mount Pleasant Lawn Tennis Club with me da, with Ewy O'Neill, Jack O'Rourke and Roddy O'Rourke, my uncle on namesake. And they used to do shifts. They'd wait in the bleeding horse and they'd have a the few points. You'd come down and have a few points and they'd be shifting up and down. Terry was coming down to have a few points shift. she some so car. Bang, 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 bang. And it was the, the infamous Martin in the end. Well, yeah, there was not really precautions back then. It was just take your, take your oil, as they say, and dirty. Take your banjo, they, take the, your banjo, and yeah. I think um,
5: your your fearlessness and courage, which is very obvious, I think, when you meet you and when you you see this glow that you have, it's it's, it's a sort of a a delightful wildness, but you know what. what was it true? Did I hear some of where that your dad eventually to channel the boys' aggression built a boxing ring up in your we sort of two Aye. up two down in Cabra? He
2: did. He did. Tell us about that. Well look, we were two up two down, It was nine of us in the house. It was me nanny's house. We lived at my nanny. And uh, there was a, a grant come out to build kitchenettes they were called. And that meant you had a bet. We know that or a shower. Wow, you had a wet room. Anyway, so, me dad, a load of wood arrived. that was getting concrete blocks. A load of wood arrived. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So, we're looking at me dad uh, carrying the wood in. Then he's walking away, putting up a big frame. I think, jeez, that's big. You know? Big bathroom. And then, and then Big bathroom. Then realised he was putting felt on the roof and the hall, and then the bags were hung. So, it was a gym. <laughs> so, so you, didn't, a gym. you didn't get the shower or the bath? No, we never got that till about, I'd say... We were well, well into our teens when we dad decided to build a house. Now he didn't get a grant for this. He was too. He, we weren't rich and we weren't poor. You know that kind of way. Like we weren't poor as in we'd chosen that. Right, oh, but nobody but, had
4: anything really. Then. Yeah,
2: but we, we weren't
4: like, we but for, He was working for Guinness, so he had a good. Yeah, he had
2: a good, good wage, but he couldn't get a grant for anything, or we couldn't get a free Holly Up Sunshine House. All my pages go up to Balbriggan, Sunshine House. Is it, what, what, what sunshine house is that? It, the- it's, it's, it was a, it like run by the the clergy. It was a holiday home for underprivileged kids who would never get a holiday. It was basically like a grail tucked where they were all tubes. <laughs> there was no garlic smoke. And there was a mad place. And all my mates went. And when they got there, they got the fine comb to get the hoppers in their head, make sure there was no hoppers. And okay. then they got shaved like in a prison. So everyone knew in Cabra. Who was in Sunshine House Because the kids with the shaved heads come back, you know, full of beans. Got their neck washed because when you when you lived in Cabra and you got your neck washed, the big toyed mark at the back. <laughs> you only have to wash your face. <laughs> I'm serious, <son. laughs> no, no, no. I, I went with a pal of mine. I won't name him to get a haircut and fizz one day. And we all decided we get skin heads. he need long hair. Look like a mullet back then, but it wasn't a mullet through choice. It was a mullet because there was no money to cut your hair. So we went up, and it was over. Super, super quick. Um, it, uh, anyway, it's in Fisby Shop Centre. Went up, and I was second, and he was forced. And they started shaving, and he was white with a black neck yes. from the door, <laughs> and that's the truth. Yeah, so yeah. that got a good rubber. So a big red neck coming home, that was it, you know. How did, so
5: how did you just wash in the house without a
2: bath? no actually? we washed. No, just we we had sec- a kitchen. I'd say, Joe, the kitchen was from here to here, and in it was a table with a lid, and under that lid was a big bat. A big cast iron bat. Under under the dinner table. Under the dinner table. So, you know, you either had your dinner or you had a bat. So there was more dinners than bats done. But we done that, lifted up, and you had to boil the water in a big uh, stew pot. There was no hot water. So you had a big, huge stew pot that we had, and it brought three of them in, and it went by age. And I was the second eldest, so I was the second cleanest the last one always <laughs> will knock her in <laughs> was, you know and, uh, but look and then, and then we'd a steel back a smaller one that you put in front of the coal for when we were younger and unfortunately my father's this is before my time my father's brother fell into it uh, died with pneumonia through shock so it was, it was he, it he was, fell it, into the bath and he died. did he, no he didn't die in the bath right. he got scalded Right, and then he got in a of shock, and he was and buried. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there. But but you know, tell what, us about the boxing young? ring. Oh, there was no ring. It was too small a ring. It was a gym, and you had. Uh, I remember a floor to ceiling ball. You had two a big bag and a, 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 an angle bag. You had two big mirrors and a skipping area, and in the corner was a shower. Right, built on one course of uh, solid blocks with a little slope into it. Right and the shower of the outside gully of the house was your outlet, right? And it was run through a geezer from the gas, right? And uh, the, when you go under it, it was like something of a, a watering can, and it would go cold. Ah, oh, Jesus, ma! right? If a breeze came, the pilot would blow out, water would be cold, right? Then someone would get a lighting paper, load it again, then you'd be scalded. So there were memories and then you had to walk to the gym in. But what what, what you would hear, John? Did the right? young
5: boys around the state come and fight there? What was it a
2: No, no. My my uncle Jack. did you just do your fighting?
5: On the street. In the park, Animal Park. That. Where where did Stevie come in relation to you?
2: Stephen was at eight years of age. We all went to um Maxima Culler's gym. Maxim McCullough's affirmative. He fought for the European title. Maxime McCullough had a gym at Corinthians. It was back in Gardner Place at the time. and um, we used to go down there, my father used to go down there. And that's where we went first. And Stephen started down there. And he had his first sort of spar. But when he went in to spar that was it was no spar. he so got stuck in. And Stephen loved it. It was like exhilaration to him. First time. First time. That was it. He just loved it. And he was made for it. And uh, that's where we learned. And then and then it well, when we were kids in the house, we had boxing gloves. So my dad got on his knees and he'd throw jams and we'd be boom, 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 boom. And then when we got a little bit older, he'd pair us together so we'd box each other, right? And then when we were kids, we'd all go around to the park at the back of Animal, bring the gloves and whoever matched up Joe would have a bash, whoever matched Dion, have a, and we all matched. I just got stuck into each other. And then we went to, the four spot the boy joined was Arbor Hill. Before that, I just got to Phoenix with my dad. That's where he used because... Jerry Roy, who owned the club, liked the bottle of Guinness, and he dad's coming up the brewery to Parkgate Street, right across from the court show, right across next to the chip. He was barred up now, and he gave him his colleague's medicine. And the first time i ever seen cauliflower ears, Billy had him, and he gave him his medicine, and we'd all go down there, and then we started boxing box there, and that was it. And then Arbor Hill, where Eddie Hayden, the first man I ever knew that got, that got a shot in Dublin. Eddie Hayden was down there, Mucal Jack. Brendan McCarty, who ran marathons, uh, Paddy Delaney, just passed away. So all people that were in the boxing world, people would know, and it was brilliant. John Kyo, another one, ended up a multimillionaire, you know, from Canada. But it was just brilliant, you know, it was just like, like, when you say fear, Joe, we'd know fear of confrontation. Do you know what I mean? You like the fighting? Oh, I don't like fighting. I don't oh, I to enjoy it. You've hit plenty, plenty of boys. Of it.
5: What? You've had plenty of boys.
2: Never, never, no, never without <laughs> being attacked or or pro, provo, pro, pro, you provoked. Which was self-defense, provoked, provoked. Uh, yeah. It was self-defense. But my uncle Terry always says, "In self-defense, get yours enforced <laughs> 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 before they get one in." Too so, forced. But, but in the,
4: the gym that your, your your father built, then were there people in that all the time? Like, were you coming home and there was people? No, and
2: no, no, no. This was only for family. right? Relations, all the Collins, every Collins man boxed. And the O'Rocks, his mother side, Jack, and my uncle Roddy, they boxed. Paddy and Paddy's younger brother, he didn't box. So it was my father was in there probably five nights a week. But I mean, were you not a very good boxer? I heard yeah. that 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 I mean,
5: you're a bigger man than Stevie. Yeah, I am. Yeah, you know yeah, what, yeah. What, what weight would you have been fighting? I was. I of, fought
2: a youth heavyweight title, so I was six yeah. foot two. I was six foot two at about nineteen years of age. I fought the huge heavyweight title at 17 years of age before I went to Fulham. And, you know, I was a natural at that, that way.
4: The first,
5: first. the first time, i just remember it. The first time we crossed paths, you rang me. Do you remember? Yeah. I'm not sure if I was. And you said to me, you told me that a fighter from America, Irish Mickey Ward, Yeah. had stepped in as a last-minute replacement
2: that's right. To fight Shane Earley,
5: Shane Erie, the right. fighting pride of Liverpool, yeah. and who, who was looked like a male model. Yeah. And do you remember what? You, do you remember what you said to me? Yeah. Go and tell me. I, say, I, I, I said.
2: <laughs> um, I said. knew the manager of Shayne Erie, uh, um, uh, John Hyland, and I said, "Don't, don't let him in." I said, "Don't get him in." With him. I said, "Mickey Ward is he's ah, nice, totally odd and blah 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 blah." But Mickey Ward made his debut. Stephen Medley's day on a show at Mickey Ward in Texas and Mickey Ward was a fight machine and what you've seen in the film yeah. was what held him back. Remember the film The Fighter? That held Mickey back mm-hmm. and the rest was
5: history. Mickey, to Mickey, to Mickey destroyed he's him. He's as mad as a barrel of eels. He said, <laughs> he, said he, what? he said to me he's as mad as a barrel of eels oh, man, and, yeah, he'll, and, he'll, and he'll kill him you said. You he'll, said he'll kill, kill, kill him. Yeah, yeah. And the first I mean if you ever get a chance to see it Neary comes out and it's a, it's a Liverpool, I think the fight was in Liverpool, was it? Yeah. Big and crowd and he wore a shamrock. Shamrock he was Express was his... The Shamrock Express, <laughs> the fighting, bride of Liverpool, all that, you know, and yeah. nobody knew anything about Mickey Ward. Yeah. And you know what it was like, the first round, Shay looked great and he was, you know, popping the, yeah. the jab. And then, you know, but sort of halfway through the third, Ward hit him a body punch. And you could hear the crowd started to... And by the start of the fourth... <laughs> Your man's texting me, he said, I told you, it's coming, it's coming. Jesus, he gave him some beat.
1: And his opponent across the ring, fighting out of the blue corner, wearing black and weighing in at 139 pounds for 9 stone 13 pounds in 22 professional bouts he has a perfect record of 22 victories 17 by knockout ladies and gentlemen the pride of liverpool presenting the undefeated wbu light welterweight champion of the world the shamrock express
3: just oh, doesn't believe his size.
1: He does fight like a heavyweight. He fights like a big strong heavyweight.
3: That edge, oh,
1: oh. Fewer punches, punches. On, harder punches. On, They dedicated to making Ward find him. Follow me around. Find me. Oh, big uppercut by Ward. Well I told you he was putting more mustard on the uppercut. And that one plants Neri on his butt. First time in 23 professional fights that Shane Neary has been down. 23 seconds remaining in the round as Mickey Van wipes off Nery's. Up, lands the uppercut again nearing down for the second time Mickey Vann's going to stop it right there Irish Mickey Ward with a big 8th round TKO What's
2: and I'll story? tell you a Mickey Ward story Well, right. when he fought Atura Gatti and we were watching it we loved Mickey quiet man and I think it was round 5 he was 30 odd on the way Atura yeah, Gatti needed a warm up fight he was fighting for the world title so they brought Mickey in and it was a war Remember the trilogy? It was a boardwalk in
5: Atlantic City, wasn't
2: it? It was a war. And I remember in round five, uh, Mickey took an awful beating. And I I sat there watching on the television and I thought, please don't get up. It's over. You're 35, Mickey, right? And that's it. Mickey grew up and bashed him, right? So, trilogy after that, he made, I think he made 16 million between that and the film. That was a man that was on his knees. And he came over to the gym about three, four years ago. And I said to him, Mickey, I oh, used this a million times in motivational team talks addressing him, the Mickey Ward story, blah, 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 blah. And when I asked Mickey the story, I wanted him to say to me, well, I closed my eyes in the corner and I told him my father and I told him my mother and everything they taught me. I want to hear something inspirational. And I said, Mickey, what did you teach us, Dan? I went, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm not having this.
1: <laughs>
2: That's what he said. Like, yeah, fuck I I'm not having this.
5: Jesus was, I saw those three fights. you had to watch them from you know from behind the sofa i mean yeah. Jesus that's great I mean as I recall I, I, possibly at the end of the first round in one of the fights, it looked all over yeah. i mean I think Mickey reeled to his corner and and then he came out and i mean they were they were all epic, but i think I think they they were terribly destructive for yeah, both fighters and one of the one of the most pleasing pleasing things about your Stevie was that He got out before he got damaged. Tell us, tell us about. I mean, obviously, the the. I think a a huge advantage he had because he was fighting in America. There's a great depth of fighters, and there was no real hype around him because he was fighting in America and learned his trade there. When he came to fight Eubank, that low profile was a huge advantage. But he, he didn't realize. He was stepping into a Collins boys' minefield. I mean, this was not any ordinary uh, run-up to a fight.
1: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It wasn't.
2: Not in a million years. Yet, and also into Mill Street.
4: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: come on. Very. It was a, uh, Do you know what? Tell us no the story C. of Duggan. The great confidence No, C. Trick. Duggan was a huge influence in getting the fight down there in, in the Green Glens Arena. And I thought, this is unbelievable. Stephen knew he could beat Eubank. He knew it and always said he would. And he came in on the back of Ray Close, failing the medical. And Stephen wasn't well at the time, but that was history. And it was supposed to be a double header in Belfast. Stephen, I think McCauley Day Boy was the main event. And then Stephen. And you, Jesus, back he was going to be a, a tough cookie, Dave boy. Ah, great, he great was some fighter. great fella. I think he holds record most world title fights. I'm not sure or not. Uh, seven defenses, seven defenses. Yeah, took Mackenzie, took him. That's right.
5: As a, as a late replacement. That's and, right. I
2: mean, yeah. I
5: always say the only good thing that ever came out of Larne. Yeah. Apart from the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, he was hard. He was some fighter. He was, he was, was proper
2: and a great a chef. He was a chef. That's correct. But um, yeah, so when Stephen got that fight, he said no. This is a standalone fight, so it gave Stephen time to recover from his illness, and then the hype and the build up and that Stephen.
5: Tell us about the tell us <clears throat> tell us about the confidence trick. You know the the attack on Eubanks' mind.
2: Well, it's, it, it's as you know, Joe. <laughs> you played at the highest level in 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 elite sport in GAA. Mental uh, belief and confidence is massive. It's massive and. Psychology is huge and if you're sitting in a corner you close your eyes now and you think simply the best better than all the rest and you're thinking this is the fellow's coming to fight me he's never been beaten simply the best all your own supporters are saying because it it's a catchy song right how do you take that play away from him it was like Tyson going into a ring he had people beat before he got in the ring so Roy, right, I'm not listening to him so he sat right the cure was you'd hear him coming over the house. You discovered hear him hitting that the
5: Eubank was a superstitious man. Yes. So you retained a, well, a, a hypnotist.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> well that's, what the, that's what the plan, you know. Look, the hypnotist. I remember this. I know, Joe, but the hypnotist didn't hypnotise Stephen. No, no, I appreciate if He that. could. He'd be still world champion and he'd still be fighting. But he spooked Eubank. Big time. Tell us the story about the hypnotist. Well, Eubank arrived over in the borough and it was a press conference and Stephen kept on waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then Stephen arrived in a nurse wolfhound dressed like Darby O'Gill with the cap. And Eubank was looking, because Eubank was always really elegant. Mm-hmm. And he came in and Stephen opened the Os And Eubank didn't know where, what was coming at him. And then Stephen said his piece and then to him and said, you're letting down your people. He says, your African heritage. He says, you want to be a quintessential English gent. And oh, that just drove him mad. And then Stephen started getting into that. And then Stephen says, You cannot hurt me. You can't hurt me. And then it was getting worse. So coming out of the coming out of the and I got on the lift. And I was going to the lift with a couple of people, and Eubank jumped on with Ronnie Davis. And he went,
5: Tell us who Ronnie Davis was a was trainer.
2: It? Oh, The fellow used to slap him in the face in the corner. good yeah. smart, he was his trainer. And he, he went, he, he's not right, he's not normal, this is not right. And this was weeks before the fight, yeah. right? And he was perturbed big time. But then when I got to the weigh-in, it really spooked to me. wanted to pull out because Stephen gave it the glassy eyes. and. He he should, uh, what this you call, what's this you called
5: the hypnotist you got in? Tony Quinn. Aye, so Stevie came in. I remember that he was glazed eyes. He yeah. ne- he was basically motionless. Yeah. He never spoke. He didn't react to anything. Yeah. And Eubank, Eubank, a very superstitious man, as you guys had discovered. Yeah. And then, as I also recall, the hypnotist he was he was putting it out there all the time.
4: He yeah. was everywhere, wasn't he? You know, he? know yeah. uh,
5: Stephen can't oh. be hurt yeah. by a mortal hand.
4: Yeah. yeah.
5: Um, you know, and Stephen will not be able to miss the target when he yeah. punches on the night. You know, yeah. and Chris Eubank has let his people down, you know, he's let his race down. Yeah. yeah. And essentially this hypnotist who was a tremendous actor. Yeah. This and it I mean I can remember it. It people were excited by this. Can this be real? People were thinking because well, you it. guys presented it, I mean you guys yeah. are world class spoofers. Yeah. I mean I mean, come on, you Read could you could sell you could sell a <laughs> book. That's right. And well, and I mean I remember I think that Tony Quinn did a, an interview with the boxing press and he said that Eubanks' head would be three times its normal size for Correct. Steven, that Stevie would not miss and that Eubanks' punches would be slow, slow and motion. easy to avoid.
3: Yeah. Well, let's get down to the Steve Collins dressing room. Now, talk about dressing the part. The shamrock tells its own story for St. Patrick's weekend. Collins has had four weeks to prepare in
5: Las Vegas for this one and obviously looks well-prepared physically, But what about the mental side? He has refused to say anything to us tonight about the hypnotism. But Dr. Tony Quinn will be in his corner. This is the man who's been doing the work on Collins from the mental point of view.
3: And Gary Norman has been to speak to him. The issue has been raised that sometimes the mind tells the body when to stop. And people are worried that he may go on through the pain threshold and it could cause Steve some damage. And people are worried about that. Well, I think in in something like boxing, the mind plays a big part in it. I mean, a lot of people in situations where they're very excited may actually feel no pain anyway. Many boxers, I don't think, feel pain till afterwards. Now, it's true he will feel less pain than he normally would. I mean, that is definitely true. He'll also find that he's able to move much easier. For instance, one of the things we do is that I've slowed down. So when he sees the punches coming at him, they look about three times slower than normal. And we've done this in the training sessions and it's worked very well. We've also made the target three times bigger. So it's much easier for him to be aware of what's happening. But of course, I've told him at the same time, and this is instilled in him, that he would be very aware of all dangers. In fact, he'd be much more aware than normal of any danger that may be to him.
5: And you back started to believe that.
2: He did, yeah. Well, if someone of the stature, well, I'd say stature of Tony Quinn, he had a reputation... For being a mind guru and was hugely <laughs> successful. And, uh,
4: Joe believes w- in mind gurus. Yeah, well, we, we believe in gurus. I'll give
2: you his numbers, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he might win a world. You might get an all Ireland medal next year. <laughs> Make a comeback. But um, everyone else will run slower for you. But, um, yeah, look, it's like everything else. It's all about the mind. He He started to doubt then. And then this thing about, oh, he didn't want to do damage the way he did to Michael Watson. That's all... Forget about that. That's the business you're in. That can happen to anyone any time. He was spooked. 100% spooked.
3: But Eubank did seem genuine, genuinely concerned that Collins had used the hypnotist and therefore would not really be in full control of himself when he went into the ring. That's why I'm afraid. That's why um, I wanted to call the fight off. That's why I would call the fight off if I could now. Because I'm going into unknown territory. The Forty-three fights I've had in the past, I've always known what I was dealing with. I don't know what I'm dealing with tonight. I'm fighting someone who is mechanically uh, orientated. And that is just an unknown area. It's not fair that I shouldn't be put into this situation. Is there any such thing as hypnotism? Yes, there is. You know, and if I, don't, if I pull out the fight now, then I'll lose credibility, is what I'm told by my manager Barry Hahn. I don't want to lose credibility. So tonight I am going to be switched on um, and I'm going to be careful and I'm going to be aware of everything that's happening and what I see in front of me. Um, but uh, if I had my way, I'd walk away from this fight. And that's not being coward, that's being sensible. But look,
2: Stephen Bede with his heart, his intelligence, his energy, his strength, everything that he ever had came on the one night. And Stephen won fair and square in front of the people in Middle Street, and Eubank could not accept it. Wanted a rematch. Open air in Cork. Stephen Beardham handled it a second time.
5: Years later, Adam Smith, the head of Sky Sports Boxing, you'll remember. remember you, you Adam, yet, Adam, yet, Adam yeah. He told the 42 magazine, what happened before that fight really freaked Chris out. I remember him saying, you know, we're out of here. I don't want to be part of this. This is freaky. This is paranormal. This is not right. Brilliant. is brilliant? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that brilliant? Uh, Some don't, laughs don't we
2: had about that. Don't
5: one. mess with the cabra boys. There you go. Yeah. We can go from all angles, Joe.